Good to have all of you here in the house of the Lord uh, with us today. If you are a guest, we especially want to welcome you. We're so glad that you have uh, joined us this morning. We would ask that you would take out that guest tab that is in your bulletin. Fill it out. Place in the offering plate when it comes around. Uh, we would love to get in contact with you and get to know you a little bit better so that we can tell you what God is doing here at Mechanicsville Baptist. Just a couple of announcements uh, this morning. All Sunday night activities have been canceled due to the holiday, and uh, the church office will be closed tomorrow, but we will be open again on Tuesday morning. So just wanted to make you aware of that. Also, uh, worship team, you still meet at 6.30 on Tuesday, and then at 7 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, the stewardship team and the youth pastor search team will be meeting uh, this Tuesday also. On uh, Wednesday, we still will have 11 a.m. prayer meeting in here in the sanctuary. And then uh, youth, uh, we will be going to play putt-putt on Wednesday night from 6 to 8. And uh, would really like for those of you to come uh, to that. Uh, also, because of some uh, devotion things that we'll be doing as well, uh, bring $7 for that. And uh, also to the youth, uh, we will be having our Friday morning Bible study on Thursday morning at 9 o'clock due to some scheduling issues, and we decided on Waffle House. Uh, so you can't get much better than smothering covered at Waffle House. So we'll be doing that Thursday morning at 9 o'clock. Um, also, uh, Judy Culver wanted me to make you aware of Vacation Bible School, which is coming up uh, July 31st through August 4th from 6.30 to 8.30 each night, and this is, of course, for children age three through rising fifth graders, and uh, she really uh, wants to get this out to the community, so uh, back in the vestibule, we have flyers as well as in the foyer of the Family Life Center. We have flyers there for you to pass out to your neighborhoods, uh, to your neighbors, and to your friends, to family members, anybody with children, also for adults. Um, I believe they're having something as well. Uh, so please take some of those and pass them out to your community. You know, what, what better way for us to get the gospel out to Mechanicsville, Virginia, than through Vacation Bible School? And uh, who knows what that could do for, to a child's life uh, as they come to Vacation Bible School. So we just wanted uh, to make you aware of that and encourage you to do that. Uh, also, she still needs helpers, so if you would be willing to help with Vacation Bible School, if the Lord would put that on your heart, uh, let Judy know she would love to have you uh, help out with that also. I believe that's all the announcements that I have. Uh, let's go uh, to the Lord as we prepare for our time of worship.
go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and as we reflect on uh, our 4th of July weekend, I was reminded of what the writer of Second Chronicles said, Second Chronicles 7.14, which says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, this, this world, this nation needs Christ. And what better way to start doing that than by praying for our nation, for our world, for people in our lives that need the greatest answer to their problems. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So I would just ask that you would just take a moment before I pray, just yourselves, to go to God in prayer. Pray whatever the Lord may be putting on your heart. Pray for this nation. Pray for our world, for the gospel of Jesus to be reached to all people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this nation, and we thank you for this world that you have created for us to live in. We thank you, God, that you chose for all of us in this room to be created and born in America, a nation, God, that you have blessed with your hand for so many years, and we are so thankful for that. But, God, we lift up our people. We lift up our nation. We lift up our world. We lift up Mechanicsville to you and ask God that the gospel of Jesus Christ would penetrate each heart, would convict each life to be moved by the Spirit to come receive the greatest gift to life and the greatest answer to life. And that is Jesus. Oh God, I pray that in this room you would call us to step out and to proclaim the gospel with our lives through the words we say, through the actions that we do, and through every conversation, Lord, we have to those who we do not know or to those who we do know who may be without Christ. And may we take this gospel, may we take it and may we proclaim it with our lives. May we pray and seek your face humbly, Lord, as your people and come before you and kneel before you and give our lives to you. Bless this time of worship that we have. May we Glorify and honor you as we lift up your name, for it's in that name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. If you would, take out your hymnal and turn to hymn number 216, O for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Would you stand with us as we sing together? This weekend, freedom is on our minds because we celebrate 
the 4th of July, where independence from England was proclaimed through the Declaration of Independence. But there is a greater freedom. I'm sure that in the upper room that night, freedom was on the mind of Christ. Freedom from sin. He understood the price and the penalty for our sins and he was willing to pay that price. In the Gospel of John we read, You will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We are free from our sin in Christ. And because he has given his body and his blood for our sins, we come today and remember through the symbols of His body and blood what it means to truly be free in Christ. On the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, He took bread and when He had blessed it and broken it, He gave it to His disciples. He said, for as often as you eat this bread, you show my death. After he had shared with his disciples the bread, which was given as a symbol for his broken body, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. As we continue to worship this morning, I would invite you to turn in your hymnal to hymn number 601. Teach me, O Lord, I pray, and may we make that our prayer this morning. Would you stand as we sing?
Good morning. As a child, and I do mean a very young child, the pastor in his sermon used this little verse. I searched for years for it. And thanks to our librarian, Betty, I now have a copy of it. It's called The Dollar and the Cent. A big silver dollar and a little brown cent rolling along the pavement they went, rolling along together. When the dollar remarked, for dollars can talk. You poor little cent, you cheap little mite. I'm bigger and twice as bright. I'm worth more than you a hundredfold and written on me in letters bold is a motto drawn from a precious creed. In God we trust, which all can read. Yes, I know, said the cent, I'm a cheap little mite, and I know I'm not big, not good, not bright. And yet, said the cent with a meek little sigh, you don't go to church as often as I. As a child with a very small allowance, maybe I only did put pennies in, but it taught me that every penny counts. Shall we pray? Our Father, we do thank thee for the liberty that we have in Christ and in our country. Father, only you can make the sun. Only you can make the crops. Only you can give us this peace. We thank you for all of it. Now use our offerings to spread your word throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Shall we pray? Eternal God, we bow in your presence this morning giving thanks for the power of your love to redeem us. We're thankful, Father, that as we remember our Lord and Savior in such a beautiful way that he has given to us, that every time we do it, we are made aware of the great sacrifice that was made for our forgiveness and ultimately our freedom from the bondage of sin. Thank you for the love you have shown to us and continue to show each day as we acknowledge your presence in our lives. We're thankful, Father, for this country and for the opportunity to live in this place. We pray, Father, that you will help us to always remember those who came before us and secured our freedom to worship. We're thankful, Father, for those who serve today to protect us around the world. We're thankful for our leaders and we pray, Father, that you will bless them and give them wisdom and the courage to lead. Father, we live in a world that's filled with anger and strife and bitterness and injustice. And yet we know, Father, that we are called to be witnesses to you. We are called to be light in a dark world. We are called to be salt as we flavor the world around us with the glorious message of salvation. We are grateful, Father, that as we come to this place, we have this place to come to. We are grateful, Father, that people have given of themselves and of their possessions to make this place a place of worship. We pray, Father, that you will be with those of our church family who are ill, for those who are present with us this morning who are facing crisis, for those, Father, who are not with us. We pray that you will bless them and encourage them and bring healing and strength to their bodies. Father, we have prayed so many times of our lack of understanding. And yet we know, Father, that you have told us that even as we walk through the valley, you are there. And so we pray, Father, that you will take the hands of those who are ill and allow them to feel the power of your presence as you walk with them. We pray for our missionaries and their work around the world. We are grateful, Father, that they answered the call to go. We pray, Father, that you will supply their needs. We're thankful that they go, even when we are not able. We're thankful that we can have a part in their work. We pray, Father, for the lost of our community. We pray, Father, that we might be burdened for their souls. That we might reach out with a word, with a gesture, with an example of our life that could make a difference to them. We're thankful, Father, for the gift of our time here. May we use it wisely as we open your word and listen for a word from you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every secret, every shame. For more than this, fight the battles, conquer death. Make the most of the time we have left. We are the light of the world. We are the city on a hill. We are the light of the world. 
the light shine, let the light shine. Let the light shine, let the light shine. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16, under the topic Christian citizenship, the salt that saves. You are the salt of the earth, but if the earth, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As we come to the anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, we should take time to ask ourselves, are we being responsible citizens of our country? A bumper sticker that used to float around read, America, love it or leave it. Christians would be wise to change that bumper sticker to read, America, love it and lead it. We need to lead our nation to worship God and be a responsible nation among the nations of the world. The responsibility of Christians to the world is set forth in these closely related pictures. Salt light, and a city set on a hill. Ministry belongs not optionally but essentially to Christ's people. A mark of the redeemed is they are redeeming. True Christians are not only saved but saving. Not of themselves but as Christ lives in them. Our text and scripture reading emphasize the influence of the ideal followers of Jesus Christ. The text declares that we must function as salt and the scripture reading indicates that we are to serve as the light of the world. I believe Paul understood that concept that we need to grasp hold of when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For him to live meant that everything that he did was a way to glorify Christ and to proclaim Him to others. Dr. Foy Valentine, past leader among Southern Baptists, has some excellent observations on a Christian's responsibility to be a good citizen within the community and country. He notes, Christian citizenship is applying the principles and values of the Christian faith in our world through appropriate involvement in the political process. As followers of Christ, we should be more than eager to apply spiritual and moral principles based on our faith in and obedience to God to the totality of life. For as Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Always advancing Christ in the world. We can take one of four different stances toward our country, our church, and our denomination, Dr. Valentine said. First, we can be critical but not loyal. We could specialize in identifying problem areas, but fail to generate constructive ideas for solutions, and there's a lot of that, isn't it? In every part of the world and in society. Finding the problem, but offering nothing up as a solution. Second, we can be loyal, but not critical. We could give a blind but superficial loyalty to the group of which we are a part. Third, we can be neither critical nor loyal. Consequently, we would have no real dedication in our hearts. We would just remain neutral in everything. Ellie Weissel, who just passed away yesterday, survivor of the Holocaust, I was reading some about his life and his writings and one of the quotes, and I don't get it exactly right, but the gist of it is simply this. If we remain neutral 
in the face of oppression, then we have taken sides. And we have sided with oppression. Because to remain silent in the face of oppression means that you are sanctioning the oppression by your silence. We cannot afford to remain neutral in our stand in the world. We can be both critical and loyal is the fourth thing. In this case, our commitment is genuine. Love and respect would often demand discipline and rebuke. We need a renewed faith in and obedience to God and service to our country and to, his peop- and to its people. The first demand of Christian citizenship is involvement. In another book by Dr. Valentine, Citizenship for Christians, he lists some guidelines for responsible Christian citizenship. First, Christians need to mix faith and politics. Now you hear the other, don't you? Oh, let's not mix faith and religion. We must not eliminate our faith perspective from politics. For me to live is Christ. Christians need to understand the real issues that confront them as citizens. We need to be informed. Christians need to be responsibly, politically active. Christians need to work with others who are promoting worthy causes of interest. Some Christians even need to run for office. All Christians need to vote intelligently. Christians must have a higher loyalty in all that we do. Loyalty to God takes precedence over all other loyalties, including country. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And because we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are witnesses for Him in every realm of life. Think about the signers of the Declaration of Independence, what they pledge. They pledge their lives, their fortunes, everything they had, they pledged in order to declare their independence and freedom from King George III. They were willing to sacrifice everything in order to be free. And God sacrificed everything for us in His Son, Jesus Christ, in order that we might be free from the bondage of sin. We look at this story, or these words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount about salt. Salt is a valuable item. Salt was a major food preservative as well as a seasoning. Apart from Christ, we are corrupt and corrupting. But in Christ we are to be a saving factor in a perishing world. Pure salt as we know it today cannot lose its saltiness. But the salt taken from the Dead Sea in Jesus' time was a mixture of salt and other matter. Exposed to weather, the salt could be lost, leaving only what had the appearance of salt but not the flavor. Commercial salt could be adulterated, the weakened mixture having little or no taste. A strong possibility is that Jesus intended to picture the absurdity of saltless salt, physically impossible. He was saying in essence that if you follow me, you will be salt. No less observed than saltless Salt is savorless Christianity that is not a saving force in the world. Nothing is more despised. In the days in which Christ lived, salt was extremely valuable. So this sentence from the Sermon on the Mount could mean, and this is important to remember, a second meaning in this idea of salt. You are extremely valuable. Salt was valuable in that day. Christ was saying that we are valuable to the cause of Christianity. We are valuable to the cause of salvation. When foods, especially vegetables, taste flat and need seasoning, more salt is the remedy. We've said it before, haven't we? You go somewhere and they say, well, how does this taste? Well, it needs a little salt. Or you go somewhere else and you you get something and you say, well, how does it taste? Well, it's a little too salty. There's no in-between, is it? And God would have us to understand that in Christ there is no in-between. The tiny white crystalline cubes are necessary for the health of the human body. We need a certain amount of salt in our bodies. Throughout history, salt has played an important part in people's lives. 
people living close to the sea could obtain a plentiful supply. Inland, inland, inland dwellers had to barter for, for salt. Part of a Roman soldier's pay was given to him in salt and was called salarium. From the Latin word comes our English word salary. That's how valuable salt was as a commodity. Salt is an essential part of the human diet. We know that too much salt is not healthy for us, but the right amount of salt is exactly what we need. Salt is necessary for the digestion of food. We cannot live without salt. In fact, some people need to take salt pills to maintain their strength in the heat of the summer. Jesus was saying to his disciples that they were an essential part of a good society. Salt is valuable and so are we. And when we treat our faith as valueless, then that gets us into all kinds of trouble in our society. Without Christians who live out their faith, no society can be what God wants it to be. It becomes what human beings want it to be. And that is, we have seen throughout the history of the world and throughout the scriptural history, that always leads to ruin. Salt is a substance used to prevent decay. In the days before modern refrigeration, salt was used almost exclusively to preserve meat from, the, from decay. You know that. Many people, uh, many a person has had salted meat that was preserved by salt so that it could be eaten at a later time. Most likely Christ was thinking of this use for salt when he called his followers to be the salt of the earth. You are to prevent decay because sin destroys. Sin decays. Followers of Jesus Christ prevent personal decay. Followers of Jesus Christ serve as salt in the home and prevent moral and spiritual decay. Followers of Jesus Christ act as a purifying agent in their community. Christian citizens preserve their nation from deterioration if they become what Christ has called us to be. Salt is used universally to bring out the flavor of food. Followers of Jesus Christ should bring out the best in their family members first. Those who love God and purpose to do right in all circumstances can bring a refreshing zest to the business world. Christian teachers and students can have a wholesome effect in the classroom, on the playground, and at extracurricular activities. I can remember several years ago attending a class reunion. I've had a few of them. And uh, one, uh, he's a man now. Of course, when you go to school with people, they're always boys, girls, you know. But he, he pulled me aside and said to me, I want to tell you how much when we were in school, I admired you for being who you are. Now, I was just who I was. I wasn't pretending to be anybody else. But it made a difference to him. You see, that's salt. That is living out your life to the fullness of what Christ would have it be. From the courthouse to the state house and to the White House, Christians should prevent decay and bring good taste to all government activities. A man who had been superintendent of a city rescue mission for 40 years was asked why he had spent his life working with dirty, unkempt, profane, drunken derelicts. He said, all I'm doing is giving back to others a little of the love God has shown to me. As a young man, he himself had been a drunkard who went into a mission for a bowl of chili. There he heard the preacher say that Christ could save sinners and he stumbled forward to accept the Lord Jesus as his Savior. Though his brain was addled by drink, he felt a weight lifted from his shoulders and that day, that day he became a changed person. A little later, seeking God's will for his life, he felt the Lord calling him to go back to the gutter and reach the people still wallowing in the gutter. The power of redeeming love enabled him to carry on his ministry for 40 years. He became salt to someone, dare we say, who salted him. 
In Matthew 5.13, Jesus points out the possibility of disaster. The salt can lose its saltiness and become worthless. The basic chemical nature of salt can be destroyed through erosion or contamination. What is true in the physical world can also happen in the spiritual realm. If we do not be what Christ has called us to be, then we are all in danger. When we look around the world and we see the difficulties that we face, even in our own nation, part of the responsibility falls on us. We are called to reach out to people with the love of Jesus Christ and share with them the changing power of what He can do. But what can we do to prevent this calamity from befalling us as followers of Christ? First, we need to recognize and respond to who we are and what we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ and we are to function as the salt of the earth. The Christian is commanded to live in open goodness and service before the world. But we are warned against so doing except to the glory of God. What we do must always be to glorify Christ. Else why would he say, why would Paul say, for me to live is Christ? Paul was not concerned about his physical situation as much as he was concerned about the spiritual situation of those around him. We should read the scriptures not just as lessons to learn, but as God's instructions to us that we should carry out in our daily lives. We should listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as He leads us forward in commitment to God and in service to others. We need to beware of the peril of drifting through life, accomplishing nothing for the glory of God. We need to respond to correction and rebuke so that we might be blameless in God's sight. We are to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And in so doing lives can be changed. We must get away from what our personal needs and situation may be, our personal prejudices and all of those things that limit our reaching out to other people and allow Christ to live in us. As the scripture says, we are a light to the world. We are like a city set on a hill. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Jesus does the saving. We do the salting. Several centuries before Christ, Alexander the Great came to Macedonia and Greece to conquer the Mediterranean world. He didn't know it. But God was using him to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah for it was as a result of Alexander's conquest that Greek was established as the common language of the Grecian and later even Roman Empire. On one of his campaigns, Alexander received a message that one of his soldiers had been continually and seriously misbehaving and thereby shedding a bad light on the character of all the Greek troops. And what made it even worse was that this soldier's name was Alexander. When the commander learned this, he sent word that he wanted to talk to the errant soldier in person. When the young man arrived at the tent of Alexander the Great, the commander asked him, What is your name? The reply came back, Alexander, sir. The commander looked him straight in the eye and said forcefully, Soldier, either change your behavior or change your name. This story has a lesson for each of us. When we call ourselves Christians, we are identifying with Jesus Christ. And with that comes responsibility. When we wear a cross or put Christian stickers on our cars, we are being a witness for Him. We are being identified with the name of Christ. Is your behavior compatible with that name and with the symbol that shows that you are a Christian? Symbols have meaning. 
And being a follower of Jesus Christ means we have responsibility to our nation. We have responsibility to our nation in this way as well. Neighbor to neighbor. Sharing the love of Christ. This past Thursday, I went to Cass, West Virginia to ride the train. We had planned a trip the week before and uh, the weather there, remember, they got nine inches of of rain and there was a great deal of flooding. And so we had postponed our trip another week and where we went, everything was fine. We just had to go a little different way to avoid White Sulphur Springs. So we went to Cass, West Virginia. And Cass, West Virginia is a very interesting place. If you've never been, you need to go and ride the train. Um, The trains are logging trains. The engines were designed to pull logs uh, out of or to haul logs out of the mountains of West Virginia. They run a top speed of nine miles an hour. But boy, they can pull and they can push. The last little bit before you get to the top, it's a nine-degree grade. And if you know anything about trains, that's almost impossible to do. But these engines, designed in the early 1900s, can take you right on up that mountain, bring you right on back. One of the things I really enjoy about riding trains is the whistle. We don't have those kinds of whistles anymore because we have air horns on trains. Back then, though, the steam produced the sound that uh, came out of the whistle. And so part of the way up the journey, and I have pictures if you want to see them, but part of the way up the journey, this is the third time I've ridden the train. That's how much I like it. first time I rode it was 38 years ago. The whistle sounded. Two longs and a short. Two long pulls, one short pull. And the brakeman, who was also the tour guide, said, You know what that means? That means we are approaching another train. And sure enough, the train from Elkins, West Virginia, comes up, meets the train from Cass, and they put our food on the train for us to eat our lunch, and we put passengers on their train and back and forth. And as I got away from that, I always learn something, you know. I thought about this salt and light and city set on a hill. There was no doubt in that brakeman's mind or anybody that knew anything about train signals what two longs and a short meant. No doubt. When that whistle sounded, they knew that another train was approaching. Wouldn't it be great if people knew us in the same way? That when people see us, they would know that something is different, something is changed because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And when we know that, lives can be transformed. And we can understand what Jesus said regardless of whether he meant we are sought to be shaken or whether we are valuable. For we are valuable in the work of his kingdom. We are called to be the salt of the earth. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful, Father, that you have called us to serve you. Forgive us for failing to do what you have asked us to do. We give thanks, Father, that we are free in this country. We pray, Father, that that freedom will be sustained. 
And that as followers of Christ, we might share the love of Christ with the world. Help us, Father, to follow you. To take these words and apply them to our lives. So that we might be light in an otherwise very dark world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is number 571, Let Others See Jesus in You. No better words than to allow others to see Jesus in us. And the way we do that is to live for Christ. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ, to anyone who would unite with this fellowship, whatever your desires, we stand and sing hymn number 571. Thank you for being a part of this service today on this 4th of July weekend. The 4th actually falls on Monday, so a lot of people, you know, take advantage of that long holiday break. And also, we know that uh, we have lots of folks who are away on vacation this time of year and so forth, so we need to remember them in prayers they travel. Next Sunday, I will be here. Let me make that clear. I'm just giving you a week's notice. Uh, I will be here, but immediately following the service, Janet and I are leaving on a trip that we've wanted to take for many years. We're heading towards South Dakota, and we're going to um, Mount Rushmore, and it's going to take us four days to get there because we're going to play on the way, and then we're going to stay out there a few days, and then 
come back a little faster than we went out. Um, so pray for us. That means I'll be gone just one Sunday. I'll be gone on the 17th, but I'll be gone 10 days. So John will be in charge. So if you want to get sick and you want John to take care of you or whatever, then that's the time to do it. I felt like this was a good time for Janet and I to take this trip because you all are so familiar with John, and John is so familiar with you that it would make for an easy um, uh, situation or an easy transition if something were to occur and happen when I'm 26, 28 hours away by car. So I wanted to make you aware of that. But I will be here next week because the first thing they said to me went out, well, have a good time on your trip. I said, I'm not leaving until next week. So, but it's next week. But So I'll be here all this week. The office is closed tomorrow for the 4th of July holiday. Don't forget that today is also Benevolence Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. And so if you have Benevolence offering, there will be deacons at the door to receive that offering. But again, thank you for being a part of this service uh, today. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day that you've given to us, we do so with the full assurance that your love sustains us and your mercy has redeemed us. And may we take that grace that we have received and share it in a world that so desperately needs the light that is in our lives, that light that comes from Christ. Bless us, Father, as we depart from this place in the name of Jesus. Amen.